0: A wank, I think. Hello and welcome to the Man on Podcast. My name is Darren and joining me as usual are the other three Musketeers, Thomas, Martin and Craig. How are you guys doing?
1: Good mate. Good. That's gonna be that's gonna be every week now, is it, Musketeers?
0: I don't know, I might mix it up a little bit.
1: <laughs> Here goes next week, yeah
0: egos yeah um <laughs> megalomaniacs superstars I'll, I'll mix it up i'll throw something new sometimes i'll catch you off guard to make you laugh that's the kind of person <laughs> i am um we're all on a bit of a high because you know we had a really cool uh cool weekend we Probably did we crew. all attended we let's, let's, well, let's yeah. shut that in early i
2: was gonna say yes we all attended the um the well i'll keep going to call it the planet fpl Meetup. but in fairness it was planet fpl who got the assist and surgery but i think for for um for easy pronunciation, let's just call it the Planet FPL link Cup. Um, yes, we all attended, which was really, really good. Um, my I came late, Craig left early. So unfortunately, me and Craig missed one another. Um, but yeah, we all got to hang out. We all got to see many, many people. It was a really, really
3: good night. Um, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. You probably got the better half, to be fair. I left while it was still like brewing. It was all warming up. <laughs> so that, uh, yeah. It just, it really so... Uh, you, you, you probably did it the best way shall we say but i've still got a little bit of a husky voice i must have been shouting too much so uh i'm not That's... too sure what, but um yeah my voice is a bit husky today
0: yeah that was a, a mega thing in fairness my voice the next day was really coarse i like because because it was so noisy in there just talking over people and obviously constant drinking like drinking throughout the day from like 9 30 onwards it my voice at the end was just like just yeah, it hurt a lot i've been in that situation for quite a while <laughs> But it was all good. And as you can see, we've changed our names. How magical is this? We're now are the we live on YouTube.
2: What? Sorry, just checking. Are we live on
0: YouTube? We are. We have three people watching us. Oh, perfect. Ah, yes. That's right.
2: As uh, you were, sorry, carry on. Doesn't trust me. We we've changed our names, yes. Um it was a suggestion a few I can't remember what it was now, a couple of weeks ago. It was inspired by the fact that Craig said he wanted to well. I don't know if he wanted to change his name, but possibly <laughs> forced name him into it. It's a bit of and yeah, we just we, you know, um we've we've tweaked a few little names. Unfortunately, there is a manon underscore um Thomas. So we have yeah, to go for manon. But... yeah, some random account that's like barely been used in the last three or four years. So yeah, we've gone for man on pod and then um all of our names. Um what's nice is now that um, Martin for so long was known as CM Fantasy is now actually can be known as
0: Martin people didn't know if it was cool. a sports account or something else it's like, <laughs> like fantasy gets thrown around a lot
1: yeah that's well, very true I, it was created on a whim so yeah it probably needed changing I'm not sure if I prefer this name or FPL Baseball
3: Cap which was the other one I was considering so yeah. it's uh... <laughs> So, well, Ma- Martin's also
2: wearing a baseball cap today I so know We wouldn't know which one was which
0: I'll be fair to you I did joke that I was going to put one on as well I got one right next to me And then you would have been the odd one out It would have been quite funny <laughs>
2: Yeah Sorry not uh, to bully uh,
0: I haven't got one
2: Fair Unfortunately
0: Okay So running order today guys So we, we were going to speak about our experiences of the night I think we'll delve into the uh, FPL meet just a little bit more than we did just then Um then we've got a question from Sham about it, actually, and I'm, I'll, I'll take, t- take that one on. Uh, we've got a community talking point. We've got some player comparisons tonight. So as you can see on the main graphic there, we're looking at Bruno versus KDB, Trent versus Robbo, Sancho versus Son, and Dinier versus Shaw. Um, so we're going to jump into them. And then we've got quite a lot of questions as well. So we'll crack on through them today as well, make sure everyone gets their questions answered so let's jump in first of all to the experiences of the night of uh, planet fpl meetup i say planet fpl like you just did thomas but you know it was in conjunction with a lot of a lot of guys um like we said we had a really good time like i absolutely loved it it was the first event i had been to of that kind um it, it was just so well run everyone was so good happy you know there was no egos in that room everyone was happy to talk to everyone it was just a really kind of nice because let's be fair, it's the first thing that most people have done since lockdown. Like, it's the first thing I had done for about a year and a half to two years, like genuinely. And it and I'll be fair, it, I'm not someone who suffers with anxiety or anything like that. You know, it doesn't bother me. First time I'd met you guys, first time, you know, first time I met Martin and him and I sharing in a room together. Do you know what I mean? Um, he didn't expect what I did to him, but, uh, you know, first time we shared <laughs> first time we... I didn't do anything. That's a joke. Uh, he doesn't remember we...
3: anyway. Does he So you're all right? You <laughs> What's that? It? He doesn't. It's, like, it's all right. You remember it, but he doesn't. Yeah, it's that's it.
0: correct. It's yeah. Right. I just plied him with enough alcohol that I'd remember and he doesn't. Those sweet memories. Um, but that's the thing. Like the first time, like we had done anything like that. And it's just, it was just awesome. Like no anxieties. Everyone was welcoming. I just think it was a really great event. Um, it went really well. And you know it's great to meet the other guys we speak to quite regularly, like Sham and Rob and Matt and and James from the Season Keepers as well. It it was just it was just great. What what do you guys think?
1: Yeah, I mean for me it was it was a great day. I mean I've I've never been to a meet like that where I've like kind of never met people before on that scale. Like sometimes you go, I don't know, maybe to a wedding or to a, a. a party or whatever it might be and there's people there that you don't know that you maybe have interacted with a small amount but I've never been to a like a big event like that where I've never met people before but it felt like really normal like meeting you guys felt completely normal like people in our in our whatsapp groups our twitter groups it felt it felt really normal and I was I wasn't sure what to expect like I say it wasn't an anxiety thing it was just a bit like well I wonder how that will go but everyone was so nice um, like you say everyone was talking to everybody Everyone was just great. Uh, so yeah, it was it was perfect. It was such a relaxed day as well. It was just kind of a kind of, well, here's where we're meeting, but essentially do what you want. Um, so I think that helps a bit as well. But so yeah, I really enjoyed it and it was great to meet everyone.
0: Cool. Thomas, thoughts? Did you turn up a bit late? So
2: I, I did. Um, yes. I i had a prior engagement which, you know, I got I basically I got there as soon as I could, really. Um yeah no I, I obviously I came in sort of mid middle to end um in terms of the event um and yeah I mean when I when I walked through the door obviously everyone was talking to everybody already and you know people were just all it was all just very relaxed and I just, what was nice as I walked through the door and mine was literally in front of me it was like, ah <laughs> that was easy um had I have not seen sort of one of you guys um yeah I might have been a little bit like oh, gosh, who am I going to see? Because I think for me, it was nice to meet you guys first and then branch out and meet other people. Um, but no, everybody was in good spirits. You know, there was no sort of, you know, because you do get, uh, you know, a little bit of Twitter beef here and there between certain accounts and or just divided opinion on, on, on certain subjects. But, yeah, it was just a really, really good night the whole way through. Um Meeting new accounts, meeting, meeting like you said, putting faces to to names as well, and um, and funny seeing like a, one or two accounts that have like a, the Bitmoji um, pictures as their picture, and then seeing them in real life, and thinking, "Cool, oh, you actually do. You look like you picked your cartoon picture." And um, so that was pretty cool. And um, James and Serge were both lovely, as as you would expect. So yeah, great night. Great night. I just wish I had planned um, my journey home a bit better and <laughs> not <laughs> not have to take a night bus for an hour and a half and get in at sort of
0: quarter to four in the morning. Nice. We've
3: all done it. Craig, what about yourself? Yeah, I was pleased to be there for the main bit of the night when Sushi's, uh, when Sushi's Flowers turned up. I thought that was yeah, that I was quite... Yeah, that was class. Quite a nice bit to be there for. Um, I was quite happy that, I say, a few of us had met earlier in the day before we went to the main meeting point. So it was good that we had had a chance to interact with each other for a couple of hours before we went to the main event. I thought that was really good. And it was my concern that because we did know each other to that level a little bit already, would we just stick together? And I think as I left, because I had to go somewhere else after I'd been double booked on the same day, like Thomas, as I left, people were just starting to mingle a little bit more. So I am probably a bit unfortunate and probably feel yeah, I'm a bit disappointed that maybe I missed most of the main interaction because it was just starting to happen. I think as I left, I did speak to a few other people that were there, but I didn't really mix with, a lot of other people at that point and i think obviously a few people a bit more drunk at that point and that makes it easy to talk to strangers and things so next time i think i'll be a bit more a bit more social and maybe make a bit more effort to talk to more people up front rather than sort of wait till 10 pm but on the whole i think the, the premise of it was good and say so everyone there seemed more than happy to interact with everyone else which is obviously the main part of it so more than happy to go to a future one like that
0: yeah absolutely i think i think our sentiments are echoed in in, in all of us there yeah, in, in truth, um, we did have obviously one question about uh, about it, and that was came from Sham. And off the back of the, of, of the FPL meetup, he's asked, are you going to fest, and do you expect it to be the same? Um, truthfully, no. Neither, none of us are going to the fest, are we? No, we're not as things stand, no. No, as things stand. And, 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 and the question, do you expect it to be the same? I, in truth, no, I don't expect it to be the same. And I did see some people tweet out after uh, the weekend and say, oh, you know, the, the, you know, the meetup was great. It was really cool. You know, if you're thinking of going to Fest, then, you know, maybe you should, or if you want to go to an event, maybe you should look at Fest. But in my eyes, it's just not going to be the same at all. And the reason for that is there was zero sort of structure to this one that we've just been to in terms of it was here's your location. It's all like-minded people get there, spread yourselves out have fun. There was barely that much football chat that went on. It literally was a great big party with all like-minded people that could talk a bit of football. Let's be fair, we did, but it was more let's meet everybody. The fest, and that's what made it great because everyone's drinking, everyone's interacting. The drinks were a loosener, as Craig just said. Like More people got slightly more drunk, they become open. You start talking with more people maybe you stuck in your small little group you branched out to other groups and meet other people and i met loads of people i'd interacted with on twitter by the end because i was hammered it was brilliant mm-hmm. with fest you're not going to get that it's too structured so for instance like the great thing was at the weekend if someone had banged a glass and said i want your attention i'm going to tell you my game week one team i think everyone would have been like i don't really care I just want—I want to carry on drinking and talking. I don't want to stand there and listen to you for half an hour. Tell me your game week one team. And the thing with Fest is, I think like they've got a timetable. You know, it's arrive and drinks, then it's team reveals, deadline celebration, team news, and it—you know—through the day it's just going to be intervals of stop and listen to me, and I need to—I want to talk to you about something, and it's just going to stop that flow. So. I don't think you should be going to Fest expecting the kind of open party that the one we just went to was. I think it's going to be more structured than that. And I think what I don't want people to do is go there and actually think, well, actually, that wasn't as good. And I don't want to be what people be put off going to future other events. Um, so that's kind of what I wanted to point out in terms of, you know, when I saw people say about Twitter, I think if you're thinking about the Fest, then, you know, uh, maybe it's a good idea because that event was great. I don't think they'll be the same. Uh, and I just, you know, wouldn't want to ruin that experience for people. Don't get me wrong, Fest could well be very good. It's going to obviously, it's got a schedule, it's probably going to be run quite well. It's got, you know, some people going and doing team reveals and stuff. But for me, I think that type of thing would have killed off the weekend, uh, if we had had that at the weekend. Um, so no, to be fair, Sham, I don't expect it to be the same. Um, I think if I was to go to either of the two, this one was obviously free to go and I had a whale of a time. Whereas the other one, you know, it it, it does cost, um, which I can understand. You've got to cover your overheads in terms of venue and stuff or or whatever you're doing. Uh, But also, you know, you've got people doing special announcements and special guests and stuff. By that time, you know, I think that's like 10 p.m. By that time, you're probably not gonna wanna sit there and listen to people. You wanna gonna carry on drinking and talking to your friends you've made. So. We'll see. I'd love someone to go and to, uh, you know, say actually it was great and it it worked really well. Uh, Prove me wrong is is quite honestly what I'd say to that. But um, otherwise, I'm not going. And uh, I did love the one we just went to. Um, So I'd definitely be up for one of them again.
3: I think that's the difference. If I can just have a quick line. I think what we went to on Saturday was sold, not sold in terms of cost, but the the premise of it was that it was a get together to talk with like-minded people. Fest, to me, has been sold more like a networking event. And I think there is a difference between networking and meeting up. Although they kind of could be construed to be the same thing, networking is a chance to speak to like-minded people. But I think you are going to Fest to, it feels like you're going to Fest to have a good time, but to speak to bigger accounts, to put your name out there. It probably wouldn't hurt one of us to go just to get Manon's name a bit more broadcast. And I think that's what you'll be going to Fest for as a primary thing, in my eyes, yep. where the weekend wasn't like that for me. That was a, just a chance to meet people. I think- and that's Sorry,
0: okay. I say whoever
3: you speak to, they, they p- people might take that to mean the same thing, and maybe I haven't put it across the best. But I think there is a difference between networking and meeting people.
0: Yeah, the whole the wholeheartedly is, and I think I think you're right. There is that networking element, but you're ultimately also going there to 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 listen to some people who think they are big accounts at the same time. And with that, obviously, that's fine if you want to pay to listen to those accounts. Um, which is great. And you, obviously there is networking, but there was big people at this meetup we just went to for free. You know, I spoke to FPL Fergie for, for, a, for a while. You know, he's just won the Sun Dream Team 75K. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you know, I, I'm happy to go and speak to that guy for free, uh, you know, and I didn't know I was going to speak to him. It just so happened to be, you know, oh, he's there, I'm going to chat to him at the bar. And I did, you know, and, and, and for me, it's like, you, you are going to meet, let's say, bigger accounts. If that's your thing, it wasn't ours. But at the same time, you are obviously also paying for, you know, to listen to so-called experts tell you their first, like, game week one team. It, it, you know, there is that part to it as well. You, you'll speak to big accounts. You'll network. Don't get me wrong. But I think we networked as well. Uh, this one, we made a couple of friends with different pods that we had never spoken to before. So it, uh, it, it'll it be great. I mean, if one of us goes, fantastic. Uh, it can't be me. I can't do another night out that close. Misses will kill me. Right. <laughs> um Community talking points. Uh, we've got one today, uh, and it comes in the shape of. Uh, sorry, John Darren, I'm just going
2: to say sorry, Darren. Oh, just to jump in. Um, yeah, with community talking points, I think we're going to try and just do the one talking point from now on, um, because I think they the idea is that you know it does really spark a bit of a debate. So we don't want people to be you know stuck listening for ages about talking talking about stuff that they haven't actually asked. So we'll okay. stick to one. All right, point well, I'll not. I'll not
0: if, off then and it'll be community talking point. <laughs> but, but if anybody does have a suggestion
2: of a talking point, by all means send it in if it's a bit of a broader subject rather than just a this player or that player kind of question.
0: Okay, no problem. Thank you. So John Terry has left his position as assistant manager at Aston Villa. How would you feel about a controversial character like John Terry or Joey Barton being involved as a manager or coach at your football club? Um Not to spend too much time on this, but in fairness, I'm not a huge fan of it. Um, John Terry. Yeah. I mean, John Terry's a bit of a dick, isn't he? Let's be completely honest with you, but he's not Joey Barton level of dick. And at the moment he's not Wayne Rooney level of dick either. So, I mean, you know, it, it's not great, but for me, it's always the proofs in the pudding, you know, if you come into my club and you're not liked because of your history fair point, but if you can then show me that actually you're serious. You can do well for the club. You can manage the club. Then maybe I'll, I'll let you off your past past, you know, issues. Um, but you know, straight away, if someone if Matt Blackburn tomorrow said Joey Barton's our new manager, I wouldn't be completely impressed.
2: Well, Craig John Terry was obviously working at your club. How did you feel when um, he was appointed assistant manager at Aston Villa?
3: My first thought was the guy's a born winner, and at the time we was in the Championship, and we needed someone with that mentality and that will to win I think yeah. to get us back out of there I, I, I don't think you can judge all controversial characters equally and I think people are controversial for different things and like Luis Suarez is controversial I'm sure most of us here if we got offered the chance to sign in tomorrow for our club would we'll gladly take him yeah I, so I think you have to sort of judge each person individually I don't think he's been anything but good for Villa if I'm being honest so I, I, yeah. I'm not saying he's solely responsible for getting us back up but he He obviously played for a season with us with with Chester at centre-back and that was really good. Then he moved into a management team and was a pivotal part by all accounts of getting us back to the Premier League and keeping us there. And I say he's got that drive to win, hasn't he? Anyone that takes him as a manager, whether it's Swansea that's being suggested or someone else, I don't think he he seems to be a bad appointment. It may not work um, because not all ex-players that are good with that mentality necessarily guaranteed to make good managers. But at least he's had three, four years with us now to learn the ropes. He seems to have learned a lot from Dean Smith and Craig Shakespeare and people like that at Villa. I would, If I were the Championship Club now looking for a name to a point, I wouldn't be against taking him, I don't think. Um, so, but again, it's, if it was Joey Barton, I might feel a bit differently. Another character, I may feel a bit differently. I think you just have to judge each one separately, but I would, I would be happy to take Terry. I think he's sort of misdemeanors a quite a long time ago now and maybe... It's time to sort of get over that in his case.
0: All right, Martin Ryan Giggs comes to manage your club tomorrow. How do you feel? Yeah, I definitely,
1: I definitely couldn't support that for a for a second. I would find that I would find that literally tricky to go to a game in that extreme example. I think, but um, but yeah, I think I think like Craig said, you got you got to take each one on its merits. Like I mean, Joey Barton has a history of being a violent thug. Um, he's been doing it since he was an academy player at Man City. And you know he's a moron. He doesn't learn. He does it again and again and again. So there comes a point where why why do, why does he keep getting these fantastic opportunities in life when he doesn't learn those lessons? Um, so for me, you know, Joey Barton is an example I wouldn't be happy with at all. Someone like John Terry, my memory is a bit hazy. I know what he was accused of in the past. I can't remember if he was ever actually charged or convicted with anything. Um, so my memory is a bit hazy, but. You know, I think with that example, like Craig said, it was a long time ago, and hopefully, maybe he's learned from it. And you know, there hasn't there hasn't been anything any anything like that sort of since. I don't think. Yeah. So, yeah. I, so I think yeah, each one on its merits. Fair. It's the
2: um, Swansea job that he's actually been heavily, quite heavily linked to, and we've actually got Carl JB in the chat who's a Swansea fan. He says no thanks, he doesn't want Terry at managing Swansea. I guess even though he's got the experience of being a um, assistant manager, there's always that fear for anyone when it's their first job. I mean, Mikel Arteta is is an example of you know he, he's highly thought of um, in in the coaching community and players seem to like him, but he certainly divides fans. And he was I don't want to say an angel, but you know he was there was nothing wrong with him as a player. He didn't really get into any kind of incidents like that. But I think it's always a bit. Um, uncomfortable for fans to to give someone an opportunity for the first time. You've really got to hope that um, they kind of hit the ground running. I think whatever club John Terry goes to um, within a few months, as long as the results don't go badly, they probably get behind him. I mean, Chelsea fans love John Terry at the end of the day. I, I don't think I've met a Chelsea fan that doesn't really like John Terry. And likewise, I've not met many fans of other teams, possibly apart from Aston Villa now, that do like John Terry so I guess if he turns up at your club yeah you may feel a bit uncomfortable at first but if if things follow suit I mean I presume there were quite a lot of Aston Villa, Aston Villa fans that didn't like John Terry before he joined but then like Craig for example is saying you know he he, he rates him so I think Joey Barton is 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 a different kettle of fish trouble does seem to follow him wherever he goes and he's just he makes the same mistakes again and again and yeah, I I'm really not a fan of um Joey Barton at all.
0: Fair enough. Well there we go. That answers that. No one no one cares too much for Joey Barton. <laughs> um perfect. Right, now we're gonna walk into our player comparisons. Who wants to go first today? I'm opening the floor. I think
2: I went first last week, so I'll let someone else go first. Mine or Craig?
1: Should I go first because my slides look slightly different and then after that you'll get into the rhythm of what the other ones look like, maybe. Go for for it, Okay, so I'm looking at Sancho versus Son. So the reason my slides look a little bit different is because uh, obviously I've got a player in the mix here that hasn't played in the Premier League before. Um, so I've done it slightly differently to the other guys that have got maybe more direct comparisons to make. Um, so I've I looked at the last three years for each player, split their league um, and European form uh, into that into those sections. So, with, I mean, without just literally reading out all the stats, I mean, you could, you could see that they are fantastic players, so um, with, with a very high ceiling. So, Son's best season out, uh, the last three years was last season, 28 returns, um, and then Sancho in 19, 20, um, 33 returns. Um, so, yeah, high, high ceiling players. Um, and then in the Champions League, their records are fairly comparable, but... So uh, and fairly impressive as well. But the, th- the thing I took from pulling these stats together was you can see uh, different strengths in them straight away. So Son's shots per game, much higher than Sancho. Sancho's key passes much higher than Son. So, you know, it, it depends what you, it depends what, you know, um, obviously goals score more points than assists, but you, you would back... Definitely backs on to be having more shots than Sancho, especially if he gets a chance to play up front this season. Maybe, maybe his shots per game could be even higher than it's been in the past. Um, whereas Sancho is going to be about key passes uh, and assists. I think, um, especially you know his his role in the United team. I don't think he's going to be popping up in central positions too much. Whereas he he did on occasions for Borussia Dortmund. They went for a little spell where they were struggling to figure out who to play up front before um, Haaland came in so i think sancho, sancho the assist king and son son good for goals um so i think the things to consider with with son um over sancho is maybe is sancho has performed to his expected output very consistently so his expected assists and expected goals stats he pretty much matches them bang on every season uh, whereas son last season where he's um Sort of pulled out in front of what he's done in the past he exceeded his xg by 30 percent last season so i'm not saying he you know he he can't do it again maybe he's got better maybe he is getting more clinical um but it's just something to consider Um, and the other thing with son is um you know if if he's going to play more forward and if harry kane leaves and he gets penalties then um even you know even if his xg regresses a little bit if he's getting chance to take penalties and getting more shots away does it really matter anyway he could still get the same amount of returns just by being you know having more attempts so i think it's i think it's really really close between them um i think i think it's a, i think i'm going to start with sancho because of his opening run um you know they leads uh, leads at home on the opening day and i do think he will play because he he wasn't that involved um, in the england uh, in the england games in the euros um And, you know, people say about, you know, people coming back from the Euros, but Man United basically Man United's whole squad was away doing something. Like they've got people like Chong who they've let go to Birmingham, but he's still training with them at the moment because they need people to play in friendlies. Um, So, you know, someone's got to play in those opening games. And I think Sancho would definitely be a candidate for that. Uh, Whereas Son, Man City at home, wolves away, potentially a tough opening. But I think it's sensible to be in a position to get Son in at some point, uh, whether that's for a wildcard or whether you keep enough money back for it. Um, because I'm, I'm not writing Son off at all. I just think Sancho's opening run is, is a little bit kinder. Um, and it might be that they're both in the team at some point. And also, if you're in that position where you've got Sancho and you can move to Son, there's also a whole host of other players you can be moving to, um, You know, like the Chelsea mids, um, some of the Man City mids that aren't De Bruyne, etc. Um, so I think having that space in your team... Um, is is really sensible in terms of who I'd favour, Sancho or Son? I think they're both fantastic players, and they've both got their own merits. Um, I really do. So I'm not going to say, for the sake of it, I'm I'm hard in a camp of you should pick one or the other. I think it's sensible to have one of them in your team and be able to move to the other one.
2: Martin, can I just yeah. ask what's your view on the the notion that Sancho can cover Bruno? Because would you consider having both of these guys, then possibly not having Bruno?
1: Yeah, I don't know if I could fit if I could fit both of them in. I mean, I've I've struggled to make a team. I mean, I want Salah, right? And I've struggled to make a team with Salah, Salah, and Bruno in it that I'm happy with. Um, so I think these guys provide a great alternative to Bruno. They they might not necessarily score as many points as Bruno. But you know, with the extra money across your team, you could make it work. Um, So I don't think it's really a case of covering Bruno. I think for their price, they can do enough and and let you do other things elsewhere. Um, There is talk that Bruno might play a little bit deeper. Um, That's a wait and see, I suppose, if Man United change their setup. so yeah, I don't as I say I don't think it's necessarily covering Bruno, but they're they're fantastic alternatives to to put more points through your team. I think. Um, and if we move on to the next slide, Darren. Um, so just a few other things to consider um, in terms of uh, maybe Sancho as someone that's coming in from another country. Um, so in terms of a fantasy asset, so he made he's made the Bundesliga team of the season, the fantasy Bundesliga team of the season the last three years um this is very similar scoring system they get extra points for things like shots attempted i think which is slightly different but it's largely the same um but he's got high dribble stats which will help him in our game um successful crosses key passes we just saw he's off the off the charts for all of that stuff um so he should be a good fantasy asset in terms of you know if he does score or assist he should definitely should be in the running for bonus definitely almost every time um, he was a set piece taker at Dortmund. He didn't take all of them, but he's uh, he did score some belting free kicks at Dortmund, um, and can also take corners. Um, and he's renowned for winning penalties. So someone that's renowned for winning penalties in a Man United shirt—that's not bad, is it? Mm. Um, so there's potential there. Um, and then what about Werner? Some some people I see making that comment. Yeah, but Werner had impressive stats, and he didn't do so well at Chelsea. I think you've got other examples where you can turn that on its head. De Bruyne came in from Germany, did fantastically well. Uh, Aubameyang, not so much last season, but he, you know, in terms of coming in and hitting the ground running when Arsenal first signed him, he was he was off like a train straight away, wasn't he? Um, and then you've got Son himself came from Germany, of course. Um, and I think the other thing to say about the Werner, the Werner comparison is that his 19-20 season before he went to Chelsea was his best season he's ever had by a mile. I know he's only still young. But that season really was an outlier. Uh, he he exceeded his XG massively, um, and his his output was so much better. Like what he did at Chelsea last season was kind of more more in keeping with what he'd done at Leipzig in previous seasons. Maybe a little bit slightly more wasteful, but he was certainly before last season always renowned for missing chances. Um, but still, you know, an important member of the team in other ways. Um, And then the final thing to say on it, I think is just to look at the ownership. So at the moment, Sancho would be slightly more of a differential pick than Son. But I mean, none of them are, they're both fairly low. A 15.3 was higher than I expected for Son, to be honest. But uh, yeah, it's just things to consider. This isn't one where, as I say, I'm not going to give you a hard and fast opinion for the sake of saying it. I think they're both fantastic assets and you can see the stats there and make up your own mind. You know, I think Son has got the potential to score more goals. But Sancho could have could end up with a ridiculous amount of assists. Um, so, which one do you go for? If that's fantasy football, isn't it?
0: You know. <laughs> yeah, it certainly is. Perfect. Well, appreciate that uh, that one, Martin. That was uh, that was awesome. Um, I I've, I've considered both, um, but you're right. It's difficult to have both, and I'm going to see what happens to Kane before I choose Uh Craig, you're up. Yeah, I'll go next. Go so, um, moving on. Um...
3: Obviously, Martin just mentioned, well, Bruno just came up in that chat there. At the moment, 41% owned uh, Bruno, um, alongside Salah at 49% owned. So lots of managers at the moment going for two premium midfielders. Obviously, also at 12 million with Bruno is Kevin De Bruyne. We've not seen him excel at the same time in the Premier League yet, but obviously Bruno was amazingly good last year and De Bruyne was a superstar of the year before. So anyone that's jumped straight onto Bruno may be sort of, forgetting how good De Bruyne was the season before. So it's up on the on the screen now that De Bruyne two years ago, 251 points and Bruno last year, 244. Um, lots of their stats were, I, I, I don't know about similar so much, but it was again a bit like what Martin was saying. it was Bruno dominating goals with De Bruyne assists. And the thing I wanted to probably look at here a bit more was which one of the two is more likely to replicate their better season in the season that's coming up. So if you look at what Man City are going to have now, if, if, especially if they sign Kane, I kind of feel like De Bruyne could match these sort of assist numbers. He got 20 assists that year. He obviously had a bit of a weaker year last year, had a few injuries and things um, that sort of disrupted his season, limited his starts. But if he had Kane up front again, could he get 20 assists again? I think he could. I think if Kane is there, I think he'll be back into his sort of trademark, sort of, I suppose you call it number eight position, attacking midfield position, whatever it is where he can sort of control the game from midfield again from a fairly attacking position. Obviously, last year he played a few games as a false nine and things which I think limits his attacking input a little bit from an assist perspective. So I think he could match that. Then we go on to like Bruno last year. And obviously, it's it's easy to think that his season was dictated purely by penalties, but he did get nine. Um, Could that happen again? Maybe Martin's just said Sancho could get some penalties. My worry with Bruno replicating last year, though, is that Sancho is there. And Martin's just spoken like, quite clearly about what he's like for assist, And it worries me now that will Bruno struggle to assist as much with another assister in the team? Like The players that used to play wide for Man United, Rashford and Greenwood in particular, I think, were more goal-scoring wide players. I think Sancho is maybe slightly more of an assist machine from a wide position. And then you've also got the, the, the sort of rumours at the moment that Man United may change formation slightly to more of a four three three, which will move Bruno back probably into a similar position to De Bruyne, um, as a more of a number eight creative player, maybe playing a little bit deeper. And we can look from the chart now that Bruno's way behind De Bruyne in terms of playing through balls, in terms of um, generally chances created and big chances created. I think his goal input is going to be limited by playing deeper. And I think he's not the assist machine that De Bruyne is. So my gut feeling from looking at the numbers and what we're looking at this year, especially if Kane signs, is that De Bruyne has the scope to get closer to these 250 points, again, compared to what Bruno's got, would be my take. If we just go on to the next... I don't know if anyone's got any thoughts on it. There is one more um, screen as well to to go on to. Um,
2: Yeah, I'll jump in. Um, Obviously, um, KDB in that attacking role, like like you mentioned, pulling strings and stuff. But I I am a little bit concerned about um, Torres looks good. I think Keane will be used a bit more. Foden, obviously, going into the Euros, was probably, possibly, our brightest young player. I mean, he got overshadowed by Saka and um, a couple of other players as well. But, um, yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I just wonder, you know, is, is Pep going to rely on KDB to pull strings, but a little bit deeper? assist the assister and let um, players like Foden and Torres kind of take the lead. And, and obviously Sterling's had a good tournament as well. And there's only sort of so many... Whilst I think he could play all of those players, probably, I think there's going to be restrictions on how many go forward at, at any one time. Whereas I don't necessarily think Bruno has the same restrictions as he's still that, the star man. That's something that would play on my mind
3: a little bit. Bruno will end up going back into... Talking about assist-the-assister, I think maybe it's Bruno sliding balls through to a, a Sancho that's running in behind into the area, then squares it across for a Greenwood or a Cravani. I actually think Bruno's probably more at risk of falling into that role. I think so I think the, De Bruyne is back into his peak position. He's likely, if Kane goes, to have a peak centre-forward to get on the end of everything. And you've got Foden and Mahrez now that are another year older, another year into the Pep way of playing. And 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 Sterling back on form. I'd imagine that without knowing the numbers to hand, but I'd imagine this really good year was coincided with Sterling getting onto the end of things, creeping in to tap things in at the back post. And if he gets Pep's confidence back, maybe we'll get De Bruyne. As obviously people are finding those passes. Um, I think I just think it's more in favour of De Bruyne replicating the moment the, with with Bruno. has got another resistor in the club now. He's potentially playing deeper, um, and, and those two things combine worry me about what he can get. So there's one more slide about home numbers as well, which I thought was quite was quite big. I think you want when you pick one of these two, you want them to be captain material, don't you, at 12 million? And looking at these numbers, De Bruyne just massively excels Bruno for numbers at home. He's not far off him in goal attempts, but you're looking at chances created is a good sort of 30-40 percent more, double the number of big chances created, creating a chance every sort of 10 minutes easier. And then threw balls five times as many. And I think if you're looking at a captain for a home game, you'd much rather captain De Bruyne for a home game than Bruno. Bruno has got the penalties, obviously. Maybe if well, if Kane signs, he'll obviously be on penalties. If he doesn't sign, maybe De Bruyne will have penalties. So maybe that advantage has been negated as well. If Kane doesn't go, so I think we are expecting him to go. But as good as Bruno is, and maybe his numbers aren't quite as good as what you think they are if you take the penalties out. And I think De Bruyne offers more scope for points. I think. Than, than bruno is my is my take so unlike martin i will go on the, on record and say i prefer de bruyne over bruno given given the two and at the moment i say de bruyne has got 15 percent ownership compared to 41 for for bruno i think that's a massive differential at the moment actually de bruyne at 15 percent.
0: perfect appreciate that Craig. thank you very much make helping people make their minds up aren't we guys this is what it's all about making it uh, harder i think not easier <laughs> yeah, we might maybe probably have made it harder yeah you're right uh Right, Thomas, up to you now. Cool. Okay. Fling it up, fling it up. Yeah.
2: I am... So just to give everyone a heads up, we all kind of picked these um, player comparisons sort of based on, I don't know if, if everyone would say the thought process that they're personally going through, but certainly within the community. I mean, I've seen Luke Shaw in so many teams, um, but I've also started to see Luca Dean quite a lot. And I've seen the Liverpool double up of Trent and Robbo a lot but I haven't seen Shaw, Dinier and then the Liverpool double up. So it seems most people are kind of picking between Shaw and Dinier for that third spot um, in terms of sort of premium defenders. So, yeah, I thought I'd go for this one simply because I've currently got Dinier in my team. I currently don't have Shaw in my team. That doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to stick with that. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I guess I'm kind of airing my thoughts as as I'm kind of speaking, really. And um, last season, I was seduced into bringing in Dinier in the thought that he was going to do well. He had some good fixtures. Everton had a double heading towards the end of the season. They possibly even had two doubles. And in truth, it was a bit of a trap. <laughs> it didn't quite work out. And it was a bit of a waste of money in the end. Luke Shaw went into the Euros as probably... Second choice left back. A lot of people thought he would be um, possibly the second choice left back behind Chilwell. Chilwell didn't play, Shaw played. And towards the end of the tournament, he was arguably one of England's best players. Um, so he's definitely in fine form. Um, he's supposed to have a little bit of an injury. I'm not 100% sure if he's going to be there for the start of the season. Um, but I don't think I would let that put me off unless he doesn't feature at all in any of preseason. Um Funnily enough, when I was looking at um looking at some stats, I was thinking, Oh yeah, Luca Dean, you associate him with um yes, he he um provides assists, but you know, he scores a few goals here and there. He's actually only scored four goals for Everton in his entire Everton career in the Premier League. I found that quite surprising actually. Um Luke Shaw has scored um a couple of goals, but yeah, Digne only four goals in a hundred appearances. I thought it was a lot more, especially considering he's on um three kicks. Um yeah, for those listening on audio, we have the stats up on the screen. Um, in terms of um, Manchester United's start, it's not too bad. Everton probably have the best start in the league and they've got obviously Rafa Benitez now as their manager. Um, so for me, one of the things I think of with Rafa Benitez is a tight defensive unit. Um, so from a defensive point of view, um, that straight away leans me towards Luke Dean. But then Manchester United are just signing Varane. That's been confirmed this evening. I'm guessing the deal probably goes through in the next day or two. And um, That probably puts them back even again for me um, because I think that Varane will improve Manchester United's defence. Whether that means that there'll be, you know, 10 clean sheets in a row kind of defence, I'm not so sure. Um, but I think he will improve their um, defence. Um, their stats, I mean... In terms of goals conceded last year, obviously you would imagine Everton um, did concede quite a few more, although they did go and concede about five on the last day of the season. So maybe that kind of blurs that stat a little bit. Um, In terms of clearances, that was one that sort of stood out quite a bit for me because Luka Dean has got almost double the amount of um, clearances as Luke Shaw. um, And errors leading to to a chance, sorry, um, Shaw's got two, whereas Luka Dean has none. Some of those things don't directly impact fantasy football, but they do further down the line, if you know what I mean. So with some of the things we're looking at here, they might be um, more key to sort of sky players. But actually, when you think about it, when you're making that split decision on two assets that are the same amount, I do think this is an example of where you could sort of let the stats lead you a little bit Um over the course of the season I expect Shaw to to outscore Luca Dean simply because I think his team will keep more clean sheets. Um, next slide, unless anybody has anything to say. I don't know if either anyone has either of these players or both of them or neither of them in their teams.
0: Yeah, I think I do actually. I think I've got Lucas Dean. Yeah, I do. I've got Lucas <laughs> I've got Lucas Dean and Luke Shaw actually at the moment in my current draft. Um fair enough. No, so I don't need to choose between them because I've got them both. I mean, <laughs> I it's, subject, I, it's subject to change, yeah. but obviously, I think they're both both great assets. Uh, I mean, if I was going to choose one of the over one over the other at the moment, I'd probably choose short. But then again, with his rib injury, maybe not. I forgot about that. I think if he's if
2: he features in, he just needs to play one preseason game so you know that he can play if needs be, and then you know he'll be all good. But, yeah, if he doesn't play at all in preseason, I would be a little bit cautious. Um, and I, I probably would just go for that safety net of picking Luka Dean in that respect.
3: I think this next, next slide's the one that got me. I'll, I'll let you explain it. I'll, I'll talk at the end of this slide because I want to make a point about this slide coming up. So carry on, Thomas. I'll talk after this one. Okay. Slide. No problem. Right. Darren, next slide, please, sir. Uh,
0: you are on the next slide. This is the attacking one. I stopped it.
2: Okay. No, it had... I do you know it's literally just the smallest of tweaks. I didn't even notice seamless, right? That's the point. Seamless, (laughs) smooth, smooth. Um, Okay, so yes, so what I mean, the biggest standout probably for well the two ones are the penalty area touches. So that shows just how high up the pitch he is getting, Um, and chances penalty created touches. Sorry, penalty area touches. Um, Luca Dean is thirty five, and Luke Shaw is sixty six. Now, over the course of a thirty-eight game season, that is, you know, that's close to double, Um, and chances created forty-four for Luke Dean, seventy-two for Luke Shaw. I mean, how much, um, how much he will be needed in attack with, you know, better attacking assets in front of him? Who knows? But I don't see, you know, I don't see the numbers dropping vastly, um, because it's a key to Manchester United's attack. Is is their attacking? Well, their attack on the left-hand side with Luke Shaw, anyway, um, Wamba Seka not so much. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think um, Luke Shaw is a player who, you know, he his confidence did, did did dip under under Mourinho, but he seems to have kind of got his mojo back a little bit. Um, and I think that Luka Dean's uh, statistics do get swayed a little bit by his um, the fact that he's on free kicks. You know, if he had a higher conversion rate of free kicks. Um, then possibly, you know, he'd be a little bit more appealing in that sense. But, you know, he doesn't create a lot of goals and assists through open play, I don't believe. It's it's generally from free kicks and corners and stuff like that. And um, whereas for me, I think Luke Shaw's general overall play is a bit more interesting. And I do just think that Manchester United this season will push on from where they were last season. I don't think they're going to win the league. But I do think that they have the capacity to possibly score five or ten more goals than what they did this season.
0: Nice. Okay. Perfect. Thank just you very, very much. On that bit, but just
3: those penalty area touches and chances created are pretty big because Everton played wing backs quite a lot last year as well. I don't think they may not play wing backs under Benitez, and I'm uh, I'm pretty sure that if anything, Digne will get more defensive now than he was last year, and maybe Shaw yeah. will be on free kicks. He obviously took some free kicks and corners for England from the left side. I think he set a goal up in the, up in the Ukraine game from a free kick uh, from mm. memory. So maybe, may, I know Bruno will take a, a chunk of them as well, but I can maybe see Shaw being on left foot duty, should we call it, for Man United. So I, I've got Dinier in my team at the minute, but from seeing those attacking numbers now, it seems a no-brainer to change. Whether I change for the start of the season or for, from wild card on, like an early wild card, I don't know. But I'm pretty sure Shaw's going to be the better one. It seems like over the whole season would be my take from, from looking at yeah. like
0: that. Before I jump into mine, guys, what I might need to do is actually step into the house very quickly to, to uh, look after my son for two seconds. <laughs> I said this could be right back. Okay. <laughs> I, be back. I apologize to the people watching live. I won't, be very, I won't be very long. They can now see a be right back sign.
2: <laughs> right?
0: Hey, well, luckily,
2: talking? that's fine. I've, well, we've got the list of um, questions. I can always cut so... this out. That's fine. I've got the list of questions. So what we could do is we could I will read out um one. Well I'll of the leave, questions. if you're gonna do that,
0: I'm gonna leave it like that so you guys can see so, you can see. Oh you've gone. <laughs> um Oh, well, could you okay. not hear me? Could you not hear could you not hear me then? I was talking. Really? Could you not hear me when I went to the be right back thing?
1: Yes, we could hear you, but we thought you had yeah, gone. Yeah, we could still hear you. <laughs> no, you no, still no, sat no, there fine. talking right. to right. us. I'm gonna he walk said away. You were going.
0: <laughs> I am. I'm gonna walk away and I'll be back in a second, all right? <laughs> Okay, excellent. Right, um, so yeah, we know, <laughs> right, Craig. You
2: were going to take this one. Um, should we avoid attacking assets from Lingardless West Ham? Um, and then I tell you what, you were also going to speak about Cresswell as well. So why don't you kind of combine the two questions? So Cresswell, and those questions were from Ski House Seventy Eight, and Lee Jackson asked about um, Cresswell. So what are you thinking, Craig?
3: So some interesting findings from looking into Lingard data. So he signed memorably for me as a Villa fan for game week 22 last year, when West Ham beat Villa 3-1, Lingard made his debut against us and scored two goals. So I remember it fairly well. That was game week 22 when he made his debut. So I did a little bit of research at sort of West Ham's numbers from game week one to 21, then again from 22 to 38. Um, And attacking wise, then there's not a lot of change, to be honest. The, the, chances per game goes up by close to 1 but not quite 1 um goal attempts pretty much the same um the only real difference was big chances slightly improved once um Lingard joined so maybe he was helping to create slightly more uh, slightly better chances than ones before but in terms of how frequently that they were coming there wasn't a lot of difference the, the the big thing i did notice was that the chances created down the left side um heavily increased after Lingard came and they reduced down the right um, I think Cresswell had quite an understanding with him, um, which obviously I'll touch on as well in a minute for the Cresswell question. Um, and in general, defensively, they they conceded a lot more attempts once Lingard signed. So I don't know if getting him into the team obviously had a, a, an impact on how defensive they were. Maybe they took, I don't know they took out to allow him to play, but maybe he was allowed to stay forward and it impacted their defensive rhythm a little bit. So my thought thing is that him leaving might not be will be a good thing for their defence because it seems like when he wasn't there, they conceded less shots. And um, he, before he joined, they created a lot more down the right than what they did um, once he joined, if that makes sense. So but obviously both of those things are quite appealing for, for, for that, um So maybe it seems a bit of a weird one that Lingard leaving it, it boosts his numbers. But based on what I, what I was looking at from the data, purely from a data perspective, I would say it maybe boosts the chances of more clean sheets. And... I say, I think more chances down the right. So I, I think, looking at what I think, I think Sufell would be the one I would get based on what I saw. In terms of Cresswell, he, his numbers across the last two years are very interesting because a lot of his numbers are very, are very similar between from what he achieved in 2019-20 compared to 2021 last year. There was literally only two big differences, one being the amount of clean sheets West Ham kept. It was, he kept 11 last year compared to five the year before. And obviously last year, he massively stepped up in, ta- in terms of taking set pieces. So he took 87 corners last year compared to 19 the year before. And that had a knock-on effect on him creating an extra 30 chances and his assists went up by eight extra assists. So I think purely from from Cresswell's perspective, his numbers are going to be dictated by how well he does from taking set pieces. Now that's incredibly hard to predict out front. Obviously, Suchek's still there to get on the end of them. It doesn't seem to, They don't seem to have signed anyone else with a massive aerial threat. Um, he was already the third best defender in the game last year I think for points if he gets I think he ended 5.7 as well last year so 5.5 seems a fair starting price I am not massively confident West Ham will do better than 11 clean sheets this year which is what they got last year and 8 assists made him top for assists amongst defenders last year I can't imagine him being top again I imagine one of the Liverpool guys will go past him whether he can get 8 again is up for debate again say set pieces are a really hard thing to predict isn't it he doesn't get forward loads or anything like that. So, I don't expect a massive upturn in his chances he creates from open play. So, I think he's a fair price. I don't think he'll excel at that price, but I think you'll get value for money in terms of what he is. Have you uh,
2: considered him at all, Craig?
3: No, because we've just spoken about Shaw and Dinier. And I, I think mm. Shaw's got the potential to get eight assists and he'll get more clean sheets and probably be more involved in other things. I, I don't think you pick a 5.5 million defender from a team who's going to be middle of the pack for clean sheets just because they take set pieces i, I don't think that's enough of a pull for me to pay 5.5 for someone cuz I, I think man united could keep four or five extra clean sheets than, than ever than west ham so i, I, well, I, I
0: suppose dimaslite
3: well, at the moment but fpl wise i think there's better at 5.5 than him but I, I don't think he's necessarily a bad pick
2: well it leads on nicely then to billy hadaway's question which is um martin we were said that you were going to tackle with this one because it yeah. actually links and um, because it's um Sufal or Dunk or yeah. Cresswell or Stones. So I mean Craig's obviously spoken a lot about Sufal and Cresswell there. So yeah,
1: that's how that's helped you know, out. So yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's a bit more depth, uh depth to it now. So so yeah, Su- uh, Dunk and Sufal then. So both five million um and finished within two points of each other last last season. So you can see why they're the same price. There was only two points in it last season. Um so Dunk got his points. Uh, with five goals and 12 clean sheets. So I've, I've seen in a few different places um, this pre-season, people saying um, that Brighton underperformed for their expected goals against, as in they should have conceded less, which may well yeah. be true, but they still kept 12 clean sheets. So are they really going to do much better than that? I mean, they might concede less goals, but that doesn't necessarily mean they keep more clean sheets. 12 clean sheets was the fifth best in the league. Um, so are they are they really going to improve on that? And is he really going to score five goals again? Like five goals from centre back. Um, so if you if you look at okay, so they were they were bang on each other last season. So what might be different this season? I think Dunk will struggle to replicate five goals certainly, um, and I don't think he improves on twelve clean sheets either. Um, whereas Soufal um, seven assists and eleven clean sheets. I think I think that is more likely to be repeated. Um, so Craig just spoke about there without Lingard, West Ham concealing less shots, um, you know, David Moyes in and settled, you know, his, his pedigree, his is pedigree Lingard in the league.
2: Is Lingard definitely not coming back? Is that kind of been put out there that he's either like staying at United or is he definitely going somewhere else? Because I would have thought West Ham would be pretty keen to get him back after the impact that he had there last season. Has anyone seen anything about that?
3: The fact they've been linked with a load of other attacking
1: midfielders makes me think that yeah. they're expecting it not to happen. I, I would assume they won't pay the money that United would want for you know someone of his age and wage packet, etc. Mm-hmm. But um, I, th- I think it would be a good move. But I can't see them doing it personally. Um, so yeah. So if you look, if you look at Duncan Kufowu, I don't think there's a massive amount in it. I think there's. I think it's fair that they're priced five million each. You can you can see clearly why they are the same price. But I think. Dunk has just got sl- that slightly bigger chance of not doing quite as well as he did last season for goals and clean sheets. Cool. Um, and then Daring Stones. Back.
0: And Cress- <laughs> Sorry,
1: back. Right? So, you know, I mind. Mean, you were could probably see that. Yeah, no worries. Um, and then Stones and Cresswell. I think if Stones is in the team every week, then Stones is the pick. But yeah, agree with that. But that's the that's the wait and see, I guess. Um what do you guys think? Do you think it'll be Stones and Diaz centre back? Yeah, I think so. I think yeah. Pep's settled on that and I think
2: he's learned that he needs to generally play the same players most of the time. Certainly at the back, like not sort of pissing around and, and missing around anymore. Um so for me, yeah, I, I wouldn't really um give that Cresswell and Stones much of a debate in my head. Uh, I, I would just I would start with Stones anyway because I fully expect him to start um, part of the way start through the Stones season. Over shore. Stones over, over... Shaw? No, no, no. Stones over C- Cresswell, but sure over Stones. Yeah, get that one right round Um <laughs> But, um, yeah, for me, of those two, you know Cresswell's going to play 38 games if he's fit. You know that Stones is probably going to play 34 games, 35 games, assuming he doesn't get injured. But, there's always that risk of not just the the pet roulette but also it's just he pet you know he's got other good players there Laporte is a good a good player I think he's kind of suffered from stones' good run of form and that run of form could kind of come or well, come to an end or dip a little bit um and I wouldn't be surprised if halfway through the season Laporte is is back in the team again um so I think that one's a little bit less clear-cut um but I would Start with Stones over Crystal anyway and then kind of see how the season goes. If I was going to pick one of the two.
0: Nice. Um Shepi has asked, he can't decide on mid-price midfielders. Who do you like? Raf Mount, Jota, Buendia, Torres, Pepe? The list goes on, guys.
2: Yeah, Thomas. it really does. I mean, he's asked a very, very broad question uh, because there are so many players in that sort of um, mid-price area. I mean, if I just look at my own team now, in terms of mid price players, I've kind of bounced between um Torres, uh, and I don't know if Mares falls into that category. Probably, I think what is he, nine million, I think. Uh so maybe he's just outside of that. But I think Torres, as I mentioned earlier as well in the pod, I think he's a he's a good player in good form. Um Pepe did end the season. I can't stand Pepe. I really didn't like him as a player. He's not my kind of player I like to watch anyway. Um he's so one footed, it's ridiculous. But kudos, you know, his form, his form did improve towards the sort of final third of the season. And I even bought him in for the last game week and he scored two goals. So I was very pleased about that. Um Buendia, I think for me, I'm still on the wait and see with Buendia. I know that you know he's got a lot of hype around him. He's a good player. Um, but I, for me, I just want to see how he fits in and how Aston Villa start because obviously they had a fantastic season last year and I just want to see how it's going to kind of work. Jota, I don't know if he starts. I think he's a quality player. Mount, he's a really, really good player, but for me, he did he was involved a lot in the Euros and I just wonder if um, a manager like, I was going to call him Kufal. Tuchel even, Tuchel, Tuchel, let's just call him Thomas, um, yeah, I just wonder, you know, he comes from a league that has a winter break, you know, maybe he's he he's knows better than a lot of our coaches over here and won't overplay certain players and will give him that rest that he probably does need um, and Rafina, I think he's, you know, he's, he's a very, very good player and I think he can do it against the bigger sides. And there's a lot of talk about him being underpriced. Um, if in doubt, go with the majority is what I would say. Go with the player that's kind of that works for your budget, that is the highest owned. And if it doesn't work out, then then switch it early doors. Um, but I do think that Rafina is um probably the standout value for money asset out of the lot of them that are there, because he's the one who I imagine him and possibly Wendy their prices will go up the most during the course of the season due to their consistently good form.
0: Nice one. And the final FPL question comes from the only one bonus point guys who we met at the weekend. Uh, fabulous bunch of guys. Yes, really,
2: really good guys. They were yeah. really, really nice guys. Follow them.
0: And they've said, how important do you think your bench options are in the first couple of game weeks? I'm torn between having a decent bench or putting as much value as possible into my starting lineup. Um, for me, I, I think you've always got to have a bench. I think we've seen enough in the last couple of years to see that some players can get dropped just any time, especially if you've got Man City players, for instance. So I think for, you know, if you're looking at that, yeah, it's definitely worth having a decent enough bench. Definitely a playing bench, I would say. I mean, you can make the case for just having a couple of 4 million, 4.5 guys on your bench and and, and going, putting that extra money into the team. But yeah, you, you know, you could could end up with nine men in a start in a start in your um in your whole team for the week uh which to me is is counterproductive so for me uh, I'd always have uh I'd always have a decent bench
1: yeah same I, yeah. I, I hate having a non-playing bench um and i think we're we're blessed with the amount of 4.5 defender options this year so i don't think it's i don't think it's hard to make sure you've got a good 15 this time it feels easier than in previous seasons to me yeah
2: with that. I completely agree as well um i think as well it's Worth noting that the transfer window um, is obviously open for, I think, first three game weeks, I believe it is. So there is that possibility that one or two players might suddenly have a small injury, which means they can't play simply because they're on the verge of a transfer. I think a lot of people are expecting Harry Kane not to play in the Manchester City Spurs game week one fixture um, simply because if he's staying at Spurs or being kept at Spurs, he's likely to not be very happy about it. And I just think it will be a bit of a conflict. Whereas if he's, if he, if he is going to move to, move to um, Man City, I could quite well see um, Spurs sort of saying, well, we're not doing business with you, you know, and then he joins you and then he scores against us. I don't, I can't see him selling him, you know, certainly ahead of game week one. So I think go for 15 14 15 players that are going to play but certainly players that you're confident aren't about to change clubs as well that would be my other thing to take into consideration
1: I think the other thing as well if you've got a four million deadhead on your bench you know you can't it's difficult it's not you can't move them to something else but it's difficult more difficult to move them to something else so it makes it I think especially early on it makes it harder to react to what's going on if you've got a bench full of fodder
3: I'm a little bit different. So because I know I'm wild carding early, it's highly likely my third sub will be a non-player just because I want to get all of the money into my team, knowing that in like week five, for example, I'm going to be playing a wild card anyway. I feel like I could afford to, my squad shouldn't be pushed to the point where I need a third playing sub. So I think I will go with the, to get that extra money into my starting squad. But uh, as a caveat to that, I probably will avoid not putting too many Euros players in. I will avoid... The likes of Man City, who I know rotate more than other teams. So I will be take, making some allowances to make sure that I shouldn't need my second sub, even let alone my third. Um, but I don't, it depends. Obviously, strategy decisions like that may dictate that you may not need three substitutes, but yeah, maybe, maybe <laughs> people aren't planning to do that. You've still got to answer your uh, comparison, by the way, Darren. You haven't got out of it by disappearing for 10 minutes.
0: No, that's absolutely <laughs> fine. Do you want to jump into that before we do Gaffer?
3: Yeah, I probably should do. Yeah. Let,
0: let me blitz it. So I went a little bit different than the other guys and decided to actually do two a comparison of two players from the same team, which is Trent and Robert. Uh, the reason I did that is because I saw a lot of people weighing up those options. It's something I weighed up myself. Some people have gone with both, which is, you know, 14.5. It's a lot of money. Yeah, you, you, you're one of them, are you, Thomas? Bloody hell, doesn't surprise me. I'm Craig as well. <laughs> okay, for, for me, that's a little bit too much. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I was toying between one or another. Defensively, if you look, and I'll I'll read out some of the stats for the people who aren't uh, watching. Defensively, though, there's very little between them. Defensively, so they scored points last year is uh, 160 for Trent and a 161 for Robbo. Uh, Robbo played two more games and and kept two more clean sheets. Could have been those two games. Who knows? Goals conceded. Robbo conceded two more. Defensively though you know Trent was winning more tackles he was winning nearly well he was winning double the interceptions 49 to 21 but Robbo has more clearances so he's clearly the more defensive minded player in terms of clearances and blocks he had nine over Trent's uh, three and the chances leading to errors as well Robbo didn't have an error that led to a chance whereas Trent had two the so defensively in my eyes there's not much between the two of them um especially so for for 0.5 I don't think you can make a case there really um I don't think you know you can say oh you know Trent had two errors that's definitely not him I'd want because I think when we look at the attacking stats which I'll do in a second you'll see why Trent is probably the better pick now, the other thing you've got to take into consideration, though, this year is obviously Trent was injured for the Euros. There was a part of when he wasn't even going to go. So I think he has something to prove this year and could come out absolutely firing. The only thing that's, that, that hurts me for Liverpool is the, the, their strike force. I think, you know, obviously they've got Salah and Mane. Mane had an off-season last year, I think, um, but they don't have that sort of star striker. You know, Firmino's a good player, but he's not... I wouldn't say an out-and-out star striker that can help with what's going into the attacking assist. So although Trent might fire off uh, plenty of uh, crosses, etc., who's there to finish them is, is what I'm saying on that. So let me jump into the attacking stats. And this is where Trent exceeds. So goal attempts last year, you're looking at 55 for Trent against Robertson's 19. Attempts from set pieces, obviously Robbo doesn't take set pieces, but Trent does, and he took 24 of them. Um, you know, the, the, I was con- I was actually shocked to see that uh, Robertson had more penalty area touches actually than Trent. Um, I would have expected that to be the other way around. So it does prove mm. that uh, Robbo is getting up there. So maybe, you know, this year he could convert those penalty area touches even to, to assists. They actually had the same amount of assists last year, which again, that strikes me strange in terms of Trent, because obviously he was definitely up there more he had more chances created he cha- he had bigger chances created um and less minutes per chance as well so for me you know i think the attacking stats of goal attempts uh and obviously set pieces for trent does make that 0.5 probably worth paying to go trent over robo if you were looking at one or the other um that's to say, if you if you get to that point and you're like, oh my God, I can only sort a afford a 7 million person, I think from those stats, you can pretty much dictate that Robertson is still, still a very good pick. You know, he, he recorded the same assists. He had 66 chances created. I'm sure between them, you wouldn't find many defenders hitting that. Um, I mean, I, I can't remember what Lucas Dean was, but I'm sure he was kind of up there. Um, in terms of ownership at the moment, uh, uh, Trent is on 27.4 and Robertson's on 13%. Um, but to me, I think you know for me, it's one or the other, definitely <laughs> I will say that um, and I think having looked at it, it's definitely gonna be uh Trent for me um unless I really need to bleed that point point five out <laughs> and, then, uh, and then I could make the case but yeah for me it's it's Trent over the two of them um I think he's, i think you know defensively, like I said, nothing between them but that that attacking prowess of Trent. Definitely uh, takes him above Robbo. And just the sheer fact, I think he's got something to prove again this year. Um, He never wants to be missing a plane or rumoured to miss the plane ever again, in my eyes.
1: Yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, In terms of the one or the other thing, I think, yeah, definitely Trent all day long. I think there is a case to have both of them. But yeah, if if it's one or the other, I mean, I, I always like to look at ceilings. And sometimes that's to my detriment. Sometimes I don't get the balance right between... Uh, players with a high ceiling and players that are gonna guarantee you a certain amount of points. But you know, Trent has got the potential to be up there, you know, the top players in the in the game, isn't he? So for me he's got to be in. One thing I'll quickly
3: add is that I think Robertson you saw from the defensive side, he was making lots of clearances. He's clearly a better defender and a more trusted defender than Trent. With no Van Dyke last year, I think maybe he was asked to play potentially a little bit deeper if Van Dijk's back now. He may get full licence again to start going forward. We've already seen there he's already getting more touches in the penalty area than Trent. Um, So if he does get a little bit more attacking, then maybe his numbers could improve as well. I'd still rather have Trent of the two. I agree with that. But I do think there's potential both of them could get up near 200 points this year, which will make both of them like extreme value for money, which is why I've gone for both. I think Liverpool will keep more clean sheets, and I think both of them will get more attacking numbers than last year, especially with Van Dijk back. I think it helps both parts of it, especially Robertson's game.
0: Perfect. So let's jump into uh, the gaffer questions. We've only got a handful of these this week. Uh, So first up, we've got one from uh, Spencer, and he's just asked, have you guys got your eye on any gaffer differentials at this early stage? Uh, Martin, do you want to take that one?
1: Yeah, so I've been I've been following the pre-season games, um, and I'm going to do a I'm going to do a separate Gaffer video on a, like a pre-season roundup um, after the final friendlies are played. But one of the players that stood out for me um, from that is uh, Myton at Nottingham Forest. Um, so yeah, I mean Chris Hughton's first full season in charge. Um, his record when he's got a full season in the Championship is ridiculous. Um, so I was kind of thinking I'd like to get involved in Nottingham Forest, but I'm not sure who to go for. Um, and Miton um, at six million has stood out in pre-season. Um, and the other one just quickly is uh, Wallace, um, who was a 4.5 defender that I did cover um, in the 4.5 million options video that I did. So if you haven't watched that, check it out. Um, but... He got a couple of assists um from, from left back against Man United at the weekend. So definitely still firmly on my radar. haven't seen him in many drafts.
2: He's in mine after Six. I watched your video. Yeah, <laughs> I stuck him in. And nice. yeah, I didn't know he actually got the assist in the main United game. But yeah, he's in my team.
0: Fair enough. Uh very quick one for me. Alex asks, Mitrovic or Armstrong, if you could only get one? If uh, obviously if, if uh, Armstrong stays, it's Armstrong all day for me. Uh, top scorer last season. Can't see any reason why Mitrovic should play a lot more for Fulham this year than he did last year. I think, um, but I still think Fulham have got some pretty good firepower up there. That means he will actually be rotated quite a bit. Um, Armstrong for me is just a is just a better striker. I think you know Mitrovic proved himself in in the Championship before. Doesn't mean he can do it do it again. Armstrong does it. Uh, there's a reason why armstrong is rumored to go to premier league clubs and Mitrovic isn't it's quite simply put <laughs> i think uh, that solves that um craig is pereira staying or what i can't see how i think his numbers last year are ridiculously too good to stay for
3: the championship i know there's been i think there's interest from qatar already he's on one of the attacking mids on west ham's radar as the Alternative to Lingard, if that doesn't happen, I wouldn't recommend that that's particularly good, like for like swap. I think Pereira is a completely different player to Lingard. Lingard strengths running off the ball and getting into good attacking positions, like running beyond the striker where Pereira is more of a sort of what you call a natural number 10 who wants to play make. So I I don't really feel like he'd work at West Ham as well. They've got like Ben and stuff to, to come forward as well. I'd like to see him go to Southampton, if I'm being honest. I think they could really do with someone like him. for, for Just some basic numbers. Pereira created 59 uh, chances last year. Ward-Prowse, 60 for Southampton. Ward-Prowse only created three big chances compared to Pereira's 11. The highest uh, midfielder for big chances created for Southampton was uh, Nathan Redmond with six. So they're clearly lacking sort of a creative attacking player. I think their wide players are quite pacey, and Ward-Prowse is their central creative player, and he plays quite deep. So I think Southampton could really do the number 10. Um, so I'd like to see him go there. Obviously, Crystal Palace is an option for him, I think. Um, maybe even Wolves could work out for him. But I think West Ham seem to be the front runners at the minute as they were turning to Lingard. But I don't really like that as a move for them. Um, but either way, I don't think he'll be playing past the uh, transfer deadline for West get They may get one or two games out of him at best. He's in my current draft, but I don't think he'll stay there for, for by the time I lock in, shall we say.
0: Uh, nice. Uh, and then finally is Kyle, and he's just asked, "Will you guys be playing the Gaffer Super League?" Seems to have gone down well amongst all FF communities. Uh, I think we all agreed on the weekend when we found out that we'd be playing it, didn't we?
1: Yeah, absolutely. yeah, I think it looks good,
2: to and it, it makes sense as well because I was just going to say, Martin, sorry, yep. that where it's on the same app mm. as the um, Gaffer game. I don't know about you, but just that the men, the mental drain it of, of just going between different games and logging into different things this is just so simple it's just like switching you know from one to the other and yeah, um never. it's really simple to do um yeah i mean i don't think it's something that we'll probably cover on the pod
0: no.
2: um but i do think it's yeah it's just another game that we can simply just dip in and out of when we want to perfect
0: yeah absolutely and we do have believe it or not a champ man question god god rest his soul um, <laughs> And it kind of sum- summarizes the end and it just says, What will you do with your Thursdays now? Champ Man is finished. A wank, I think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, nothing. I've got a kid. There you go. i have going to have my time back.
1: Nothing. Maybe I'll actually play rather than pull data out of it. <laughs>
0: nice. Nice.
3: That's quite a good idea. Actually, keep Thursday as chat night for three hours of places. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> but do you know what? We could actually try and do a video occasionally on a Thursday
2: night because there's a, a good section of people that um, clearly made that space free on a Thursday evening. So we'll try and stick something out on a Thursday sometimes to
3: give people Why something not? to do. or
0: maybe a, maybe to a, to a or lis- whatever. Yeah, maybe a listener interaction. But, uh, yeah, maybe good. that's maybe that's the way forward
3: Me and Martin will just be going yes in the background When <laughs> Dion Dublin yeah. scored on our separate laptop We'll have the game running separately We'll <laughs> yeah. them play at the same time We could have
1: right a network guys, game well,
0: that, is, that is it That is, that is, uh, that is the podcast done um, Good podcast Have fun um, Obviously again thank you to everyone we met at the weekend I think that was obviously fantastic um, We were all buzzing from it So uh, that was great Any final words from you guys? Thanks you for never listening. ask
2: us for final words. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for that's listening.
0: a lot uh, I always say anything else you want to say. I always say. Oh, Is there anything else right you want then. to add? Well, um, if you enjoyed the video,
2: drop a like, subscribe. We've got loads of what have we got? We've got Twitch, we've got TikTok, Instagram, and we've got a graphic that has all of the the links up for it. I'm sure Darren's going to stick it up in a minute. Um, yeah, come follow us. We will have mini leagues for for all of the games that we play. So. Yeah, just engage with us, share the videos, talk about us. More people that watch, watch more people that listen, the better the better pod, the pod will be.
3: Probably worth adding as well, Martin's already mentioned he's going to do a gaffer, another gaffer video before the end. I'm going to get a Sky one out with some other people um, this week sometime. I think there's talk of doing some smaller FPL ones as well um, before the season starts, so there'll be a few more things coming up. It's not just... Uh, as much as we enjoy talking as four of us uh, for an hour, there will be some smaller... Uh, Things and other games and stuff to to look forward to as well. Perfect. Yeah.
0: No problem. Well, that guys then. Should I call full time? Do it. Yeah. Why not full time?